Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined again today by Dr. Matthew Perry. Matthew and I continued our conversations on what other people aren't telling you. Today, diving into how people communicate and also how we treat, whether it's symptoms or the cause. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Matthew Perry, how are you today? Hey, Brianne, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. I uh, am one, enjoying the weather we're having out here in San Diego. Um, Not too hot, not too cold, just right. Goldilocks principle. (laughs) And and, uh, uh, yeah, just overall uh, doing well. Um, I'm uh, really blessed and happy to be back on. Awesome. I like it. That sounds great. (laughs) How are things going with you? Things are amazing. They're going really well. I'm in a really good place. Mentally, physically, business, life, things are trending in the right direction, and it's awesome. Oh, I love it. I love it. And even when they're not, you always have a positive outlook and mindset, which I um, admire. And then there's that as well. (laughs) Well, let's dive in. I know you had a question stemming. um, we were thought about bringing up last time, but didn't have enough time for, so we want to dive in today. Um, what is that question? Oh, it is one of my favorite questions. It, uh, and you know, it, it is an interesting thing because we, uh, as, as clinicians, you know, we say a lot of things and this is kind of, you know, and, and a lot of things come out of our mouth and some things are, um, good for us and some things are bad for us. So, you know, my, my, my big thing that I want to talk about today and take a really deep dive in is the fairly and all too common occurrence of hearing from um, our, our patient or from a physician, even physical therapist. This is not just geared towards one group of people, but um, our patients come to us telling us that their blank is the worst blank that they've ever seen in their life. Um, and this is the, the, the medical professional talking to the patient about that. And, uh, you know, I think this is something that definitely deserves a deep dive and us, you know, to, to really talk about that, you know, what are the um, potentially positive implications and what the clinician is trying to do, you know, maybe, um, and then what effect that might have on the patient. Yeah, it, that's great. I- Words mean so much and how things come across verbally can impact like the mindset of someone, even just like how they then continue to listen to the, to the clinician. So I think it's an important conversation to start diving into as far as like when people say this one, are we shutting down or are we continuing to listen? Are we continuing to question or ask questions? Um, But then two, like how do, as the, patients like how do you go about responding to to this information yeah i mean absolutely and you know i think the the first thing with this is that you know no matter if you're a you know physical therapist uh medical doctor chiropractor whatever you know we are in a position of authority 
right? Um, you know, with, with the patient. And this isn't that, that God complex thing, but you know, we're, we're the experts in whatever domain and uh, the patient is looking to us for guidance, right? So speaking to the words have power is, you know, it's, it's our responsibility to make sure we're not just saying anything to them, right? Because it's taken as a uh, much, um, it, 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 it's more heavily weighted um, the things that we say versus something, you know, someone's sister is saying or, or whatever, who has no, no um, healthcare experience, right? Absolutely. And I, I, I think it's important to remember that like just because an image shows something doesn't necessarily mean like it's a death sentence or it's the worst thing in the world. Like how many people have you seen who had scans done of say both knees, but the one that was appeared worse on the image was not the one that had the most pain in it. Yeah, I, absolutely. And, and that happens frequently, you know, in the knees and the low back, uh, ankles, you know, all, all over the place. And so, you know, I think that's a really good, uh, really good point. And, you know, I, I think that is a potential point of empowerment for the patient. Um, although it's not always interpreted like that. But when I get when I get someone who has that image, I'm like, well, you know, congratulations, like this side is actually worse off, but you have no pain and never even knew that, you know, that that this side was affected. Um, so that's a, a point of um, that that kind of makes sense to the patient. And we can build from there, we can make sure that, um, well, one, we're, we're addressing both sides, which we should always be doing. <laughs> but, but, you know, the other thing is, um, okay, cool, maybe it's not the, the arthritis that's causing the pain, you know, maybe it's how we move. Maybe it's, you know, our response to, uh, you know, to some of the things that are going on, as opposed to the arthritis itself, right? Yeah, and I think like, especially, I mean, it's hard when it's just like, when it's the spine and like, you can't separate one side versus the other necessarily. But yeah, when you have two to compare and you have those situations that's like the worst one feels better, then you really can start having that conversation of how important, how we move is rather than like the actual damage that's in there exactly and you know i mean obviously the like next question of that as we peel back this onion is you know why are some of us as healthcare professionals and again this isn't targeting one population this is you know comprehensively through the whole healthcare system you know why are we paying so much attention to that affected side if it is not you know, nearly as, as bad as the, um, um, as, as, or sorry, if, 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 it, yeah, it's not nearly as bad as the, uh, unaffected side, you know, so, you know, I think this comes from, um, I'm hoping with our healthcare professionals, a place of, um, you know, maybe wanting to empower and wanting to validate people's symptoms, you know, um, I, I, I would really hope that's what it is telling them exactly what's going on with them. Um, but we need, we need to tell it at like it is right. You know, uh, like I said, if, if, if the other side is worse, but they've had no pain, be like, yes, you have degeneration on this side. Yes. I understand why this hurts, but this other side like is horrible <laughs> and you have no pain, <laughs> maybe not catastrophic. I don't watch those words. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but, um, you know, uh, 
because I, I, I think that can really put things in perspective for our patients, right? Yeah, and I really wish there, you know, with the diagnostic ultrasound, I think it's more possible to do now, which is not as, it's still not prevalent. I'm like, images are taken like in a single position. Like we can't really see what's going on. And it's really unfortunate that we can't do more scans and see like the movement that's happening to really figure out like what's going on with this joint. How is it shifting? How is it not like what's being compressed and just really get an idea of like what's going on in that, in the body under movement, rather than just being like, how is it in this one position? Yes, absolutely. And, and, uh, you're 100% right. You know, and, and that also gets me kind of thinking about like, you know, so say we took a static image and it showed some herniated discs in your back. Say coincidentally, you were, you know, working in the garden or doing something like that a couple of days before and your back hurts and that's why you went in for the image. How do we know that it was you shoveling in the garden or whatever you were doing that caused all of your discs to herniate or rupture, right? Um, we we can't, right? We we have no pretest for this. We only have a post test after you're already, you know, in pain. You know, for for all we know, that you know, when you you know, if you're 50 years old, when you're 15, you could have ruptured your disc. You could have been born that way, right? And you know, we're we're so quick at times to uh, to point to something. Oh, that's your problem, and because what you did the other day. You know, but w w without thinking about the uh, the fears that are associated with that, because guess what? That person's never going to work in the garden again. Yeah, it's just like when people connect the dots like that, like it's so unfortunate. And, and I get it, fear of re-injury, especially with major injuries. Um, there's always that fear of re-injury. So you're scared to do those activities again. Um, but it, when it is things like that, as far as like working in the garden, shoveling snow, you know, even doing something fun and you like get this random pain, especially when it comes to back, that can be very debilitating. Like it can, especially if where things are worded improperly or not in the best manner, like it can scare someone to ever do that activity again. Yeah. Uh, you know, fear avoidance, right? Fear avoidance behavior. Um, you know, it's a protective mechanism. So, you know, if we ever, lick our finger and put it in the light socket or whatever, and we get shocked, we're probably never going to do that again. <laughs> and so, so, you know, most of the time it is um, a great thing, but, you know, we're also potentially taking people away from doing the things that they love doing. Right. And um, for some people, that's the only movement that they're having in their day, you know, is working out in the garden, or, you know, um, going for a walk or something like that. So, um, you know, Unfortunately, the next thing, if that person does have that fear because they feel they they hurt themselves doing that activity, um, they're not going to do it anymore. And then they might get overweight and start having some other complications that put them down into this this unfortunate vicious cycle that uh, that you know we all know too well, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, how do you go about like? It can be hard and I don't really know like 
therapists or medical, physical therapists or medical providers as well. But for some reason, like the physician seems to have a lot more presence, a lot of times, like there's definitely people that like totally trust their therapist more than the physician. Um, I get that. But so many times it's like, this is what my physician said. This is what my scan shows. Like this is like written in stone. It is what it is. How do you go about like counteracting, like helping with that thought process and trying to shift directions? Yeah, we, uh, definitely have to like unravel some things because you're absolutely right. You know, um, the physician does have this, uh, you know, omnipotent, you know, godlike kind of, uh, um, perception with, uh, with, with patients and with, you know, in all honesty, the physician is probably the person who, uh, sees his patient first, you know, then goes to the radiologist and then back and then they come to us. Um, and quick tangent, um, in the San Diego area, at least, they did a study, and I think they did a bunch of major cities. They said it takes about, I think it was about between 30 and 40 days from a patient's injury to coming into actually seeing a physical therapist, right? That's a heck of a long time to be sitting with, you know, with some issues. But um, as to answer your question, as far as, you know, the things I do is one, I try to, you know, um, maybe uh as best i can dispel some misconceptions and misperceptions about uh a person's uh you know mri being directly correlated with their with their issue um in a respectful manner um i don't put down any any clinicians or anything but um i i one definitely talk about your pain is on your left it shows that things are worse on the right does that make sense, you know, um, to the patient? Yeah. No, that, that doesn't make sense. Um, and I'll often try to pull up some research as well on, you know, the uh, American College of Radiology's, you know, stance on low back pain. Um, and these are the people who take the pictures who are saying maybe we're doing a little bit too much imaging on the low back um, because we might be putting some negative beliefs in the people. Um, and there's also some great studies, you know, about people who have um, um, a lot of herniated discs in, in their neck, but they've had no pain. Mm -hmm. Although on the, on the imaging, it says, you know, that, that they have some issues, right? Um, so, you know, that's kind of how I start going about this. You know, um, assume, you know I, the whole thing is about, is about my patient trusting me. Um, and this is some conflicting evidence, right? Some conflicting stuff um, from what we believe. Um, I hope that kind of answers the question. Yeah, it does. And, and it goes along the lines, like, I kind of start off with almost where you ended that conversation, which was like the whole, there is a ton of research that what 80% of the population has bulging discs under MRI or 80% of the pain-free population, I should say. Um, and like how I can't remember the exact numbers, but like how many people have rotator cuff tears and cartilage damage and labral tears and all these, all these things that don't have pain. Um, and you know, I actually had, there's a while back, I had an interview, um, podcast interview with someone who had two labral tears, one on each hip. 
one had surgically, when he had surgically repaired, the other one, he didn't, um, other one was just therapy and like a year later, same outcome. Hmm. It's one of those things that's like, we jump to conclusions because of imaging. We jump to surgery because of imaging, but at the end of the day, like, is this all really necessary? Right. And we have the infamous, um, and I, I really want to, uh, to link up with him. It'd be great to have him on your show. Um, I, I cannot think of his name right now, but he was a surgeon and I'm not sure how he did this with the IRB and all of that stuff. Um, but, um, that's the international review board who does the, um, um, research stuff, um, for those listening, but, um, he took half of his, he was a knee surgeon. He did half of his patients, um, uh, who required a scope, um, did, did the scope, did all that kind of stuff. The other half, he just simply poked a hole in the joint and sprayed saline solution, right? He actually found uh, that his, the group that only, you know, had the saline stuff and didn't have an actual procedure done actually had better outcomes, right? That, that, that's so um, counterintuitive to how we, how we think, but it's important for us as clinicians to understand, you know, the efficacy of what we're doing and sometimes the placebo and and just calming people down is a um, more effective treatment than um, the actual cutting or movement or specific manipulations right yeah i know the study you're talking about i'm not sure the guy's name either but i do remember seeing that study so you know um it, it it's all just fascinating and and again um I'm going to be, you know, continuously saying throughout this that this is not the case for everybody, right? Um, and every human being, and some people definitely need the surgery, some people definitely need the uh, the imaging, but you know, by and large, you know, a lot of us could probably benefit with some simple movement correction, and uh, they can keep it moving and, and and get back to the things they love doing in life, right? Oh yeah, and I. I totally agree with that. And I think it is important to just constantly mention that. Yes, we, there definitely are time and place for surgery. Like my mom, uh, two or three years ago now had a bad fall. She was rushing out of the CrossFit gym. She was rushing, tripped over a parking curb barrier (laughs) and totally like destroyed her shoulder. Went to therapy, wasn't working. Finally saw her MRI. I saw her MRI report. And I was like, you're not getting out of surgery on this one. Like it's like, it's too bad. Like it's not going to heal itself. Um, and by the way, like I said, she was leaving CrossFit. So CrossFit's not dangerous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was outside of the gym. Rushing, out, rushing to go home is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like there's definitely a time and place for surgery. Therapy is not going to fix everything. But I think like she did therapy first to one, get stronger or make sure she was strong going into surgery, but also it's like, let's try to see if you can minimize it, at least until you get more imaging and see what's going on. Um, so it's never a bad thing to at least like do therapy, like do conservative method first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my mother had a, a similar thing. Um, she doesn't do CrossFit or anything, but uh, you know, I think it's so cool that your mom does that. Um, <laughs> But, you know, um, she had a, a lot of pain in her hip, you know, um, and, and we, we tried the conservative approach, 
Um, she did PT, all that kind of stuff. You know, it didn't give her an improved quality of life to the degree that she that she's looking for. You know, she had pain going upstairs. She had pain, you know, sitting down and standing up and all of that. It's like at that point, yeah, like if this is significantly affecting your life like that, and you've tried these other things, go and get the surgery, hundred percent for it. And and today she's she's much better for it. Um, but you know, uh, I, I would say, and you know, the like I said, uh, some of the research backs this up. You know, I think we might be a little too quick to 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 get that imaging, find the problem, get the person in the surgery, start cutting, and and all of that, right? For for, for minor issues, mm-hmm. um, which can be problematic. But but you know, kind of getting back to like the you know blank is the worst blank i've ever seen <laughs> you know um i mean how uh i mean what's your experience with that you know as far as like patients coming in saying that kind of stuff and 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 truly truly feeling lost and so fearful right um of bending over again because their spine's going to snap and and all of that i mean do you, do you get a lot of patients like that Brian? I don't anymore with what I do, but when I worked more outpatient insurance world, I definitely did. Um, I still hear every once in a while with people, but just not as much as I used to. Um, but yeah, it sets in just this, like, besides the fear of avoidance, like you're automatically setting the person up for failure, like just mentally with using those words, of like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. That's not helping someone with their healing process by any means, unless there's someone who's like just that very stubborn personality of like, well, I'll show you. And, you know, but I think the majority of the time when people hear that, it's just putting like, it's automatically setting them up for, for failure of progress. It absolutely is. Um, and, you know, I've, I've even had people come in because I see a lot of these people in, in my, um, in my clinic. Um, it, sets not only sets them up for failure but sometimes it can cause increased pain right um you see someone before the image and it was a you know three out of ten whatever the the body part is and then they come back in and now it's a six out of ten right and and you know I, i have a very personal experience with this um um and i don't think i've shared it here on the podcast before um but if you don't mind, I'd like to go for it. Wonderful. Uh, so a quick background about me. I, um, I played hockey and rugby uh, for most of my life, uh, both uh, amateur, collegiate, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, I've, I've banged my body up a little bit. <laughs> and uh, when I was about 23, I was an undergrad still. I was kind of late getting into, into school. Um, I, I started having a lot of pain in my leg. Um, it just felt tight, stiff, all of that kind of stuff. I tried to stretch it, nothing really came of it. And uh, I decided to uh, go to the doctor on our campus and, you know, really, uh, you know, figure out what was going on with me. And mind you, like, I was not in PT school at this point. This was purely, I was maybe a year into my kinesiology degree. So I didn't know what was what. Um, I got the uh, MRI. Uh, the doctor comes in, his head's down. He has this horrible tone in his voice saying, Matthew, don't know how to tell you this, but you have two herniated discs in your back. 
And I was like, whoa, you know, the, the presence of him coming in like that and saying it like that, you know, I don't know, I thought it was cancer or something like that. I was, I was very scared, <laughs> you know? Um, and I was like, you know, okay, uh, doc, what, what do I do? And he was like, well, if you care about your back, you won't lift anything again. You won't do anything again. And, you know, that was extremely, extremely, um, scary for me. Right. You know, I'm 23 years old. I lift was lifting two times a day plus playing sports. You know, that's kind of what I did. That was who I was. And that identity was quickly being um, taken from me. And, uh, you know, I, it was, it was interesting reflecting on that because my pain got worse after he talked to me about that. There were instances where I was trying to do some work and like, I just couldn't. Um, and I would have to use like a hockey stick because that's all I had me with a, as a broke college student as a king. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, you know, it was very debilitating. And so, you know, that was kind of one of one of the reasons I wanted to uh, get into PT school, try to treat myself. And I've been very successful in that. And today, you know, I'm uh, uh, turning 31 soon and I'm lifting, you know, more weight than, you know, I was, you know, at 24, 25, like, and and I have less pain, less issues in my back, unless I'm sitting down documenting all day. That's when my back hurts. <laughs> so well, that's going to get anyone's back. <laughs> that's going to get anyone's back and nerves in general, you know. So, um, you know, that's just a personal story about how words can and do have power. Right. And I don't, I don't think that doctor, I don't fault him or blame him for anything. Um, but it was interesting. right? Let's take a quick break now to talk about OS first compression and bracing. It is commonly known that compression helps with circulation. We see that medically decreasing your risk of blood clots. We see that on flights using compression to decrease swelling. And even with racing, a lot of times we'll see it with decreasing or improving our circulation there as well. What you might not know though is we actually decrease the fatigue in our feet and legs when we use compression while training. Why is this? The added compression actually helps the muscles fire faster and better. So that means all those little small muscles in your foot and lower leg don't have to work quite as hard when you do every single thing you do. Long term, it means you get to perform better for longer. So check out OS First Compression for yourself. Test it out. See if you get those amazing benefits that I notice for myself. You can head over to osfirst.com to check out all of their amazing products. And if you use code GETYOURFIX at checkout, you can save 15%. You can also head over to getyourfixpt.com slash partners, get a direct link to OS First, as well as see all the other partners that I have some discounts for. And now let's get back to the conversation. You know, at the end of the day, like doctors don't mean harm, but they treat based on how they were taught. Unfortunately, they also treat based on what the insurance companies and drug companies also <laughs> want them to do as well. Um, and like what they get paid for, which is let's do images and insurance will pay for it. Um, 
but that's not the point. Yeah, maybe um, another podcast. But at the end of the day, like physicians do what they were taught. I actually just recorded a podcast last night, which essentially when this is released will have been released a week ago. Um, so go check it out. <laughs> um, but it is a, um, he called himself a natural podiatrist. Um, basically he got out of podiatry school, did all the normal orthotic thing for years and then read something that it clicked something in his head was like, why are we doing this? And totally switched directions. Now he maybe makes 12 orthotics a year. Um, and went to the more like, let's make the foot like work like an actual foot and let's have, let it be functional. Um, so it's one of those things like we can't fault the physicians necessarily for the things that they, they do because that's how they were trained. Now, can we fix how they talk and communicate? <laughs> yes. That we can clear up. <laughs> yes. 100%. Um, <laughs> I'm in total agreement. The, uh, yeah, you know, uh, and, and even in PT school too, right? You know, we were taught that, you know, you tell the patient every single thing that's going on with them, all of the tissue specific impairments, you know, you, from my, you know, observations, you tore, you know, your infraspinatus, supraspinatus, subscap, teres minor, you know, and, and for uh, those who don't have the anatomy understanding, that is the rotator cuff, right? You know, and, and, and also, let me say big part of big uh, issue with our profession is we talk about how weak people are. And so when the patient leaves the office, they feel like they're weak in everything. They feel like they've torn everything. They feel just beaten down, right? Um, and, and so, yeah, we were totally taught that in PT school as well. But I think we have a great opportunity to change that narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, um, based off our language, because it's it's not sufficient to to be blissfully ignorant on this as a clinician, right? Not at all. And you and that's absolutely true. Like, if I taught or if I treated now like I treated when I got out of PT school and like I learned in PT school, um, I would be doing a lot of things different and would not have this podcast, um, <laughs> <laughs> and wouldn't be breaking down all these myths, um. Because yeah, like in PT school, we're learned, we're taught as far as like, this is a problem. This is what it causes. This is how you fix it. Um, but it's just very symptom-based. It's very like find the structural issue and fix those symptoms, um, which doesn't really empower people. Not, not at all. Um, it, it, it makes them feel like, you know, like they suck. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, for lack of a better term and please everyone, excuse me for my informal <laughs> language <laughs> podcast, but it's, I mean, it's, it's true. You know, you just feel beaten down and, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess a big question, um, and I love to talk with them, you know, um, some of the concierge medical doctors I work with on this, um, is, do we feel like we're validating the patient's concerns? I know I kind of brought that up earlier in the podcast, but you know, what's, what's the purpose aside from us being taught it in school, you know? Yeah. It's just, um, you know, and, and, and the flip side of that, 
does it give the patient um, somewhat of a um, badge of honor that theirs is the worst that anyone's ever seen? And 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 I, I want to be very careful of you know kind of how I qualify this <laughs> because pain is real. Um, you know, any kind of person's pain is real. Any kind of you know, person's issues are real. Um, but, you know, if, if, if every, if every medical doctor is saying that everything that they see is a, is the patient's worst, whatever they've ever seen, you know, um, one is anyone's be like bad then. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, um, and, and, and also, yeah, does it give people kind of this, you know, um, man, it's like, the worst you, you know um maybe you can help I, I hope i'm making sense but uh hopefully you can clarify and keep people from getting mad at me <laughs> <laughs> this is an honest podcast but you know we'll just go with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know and that's very true like if you're telling everyone this is the worst i've ever seen well then yeah no one is the worst um now if you're saying like this is the worst i've seen in 10 years like maybe that is accurate because maybe like you saw one really like a really bad one years ago and this, you know, um, but I don't know. The question that keeps coming to, or the thing that keeps coming to my head as I hear you continue to talk about that is like, we always have to, or I don't know if have to see the right word, but like, I always feel it's important to ask the question on why, like, okay, this damage is there, but like, why, what is the body doing to cause it? What is the body not doing to cause it? Like, because until you like, great, we have this image that shows you have the worst whatever. But why does it show that? And then let's start figuring out like, I'm starting to realize I'm very much like the problem solver, which I knew that already. But like, the more I had to talk out loud, the more I figured it out. So it's like, let's solve the problem. Like, let's, yes, there's a problem here. Like, I get it. You have pain and you have this image that shows this. Cool. We found the problem. Like, now let's ask the why so we can find the solution to the problem. And I think that's like, I think that's the missing piece. Like if the doctor wants to say like, you have the worst, whatever, cool. Well, not really cool, but it is what it is. <laughs> but then like, let's continue that conversation, whether it's the patient initiating it, or if it's the physician, or if it's, you know, the therapist, let's continue that conversation of like, okay, this is what the image shows. This is what your pain is right now let's find a solution to this problem. Yeah. Let's be solutions oriented. Right. <laughs> I, 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 I love that. Um, and you know, because, because in all reality, you know, we're never going to change somebody's arthritis. Right. No. Um, if, if we can't rebuild that cartilage, um, as far as I know, <laughs> without doing it surgically, of course, um, with, you know, titanium joints and cobalt joints. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, you know, how about we work on getting rid of this pain, improving what is going on with you, um, and then you won't, you know, feel any pain anymore, right? You know, you're, you're going to feel, you know, like saying cured, but, you know, um, feeling a lot better. And um, so, yeah, you know, kind of meeting people where they're at and being like, okay, cool. Now let's just move past this. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, and you know, like, like I say to some of my patients, like, 
you know, who cares at the end of the day after, you know, someone's a hundred years old or whatever and, and finally passes away, like who cares what they find on the autopsy, right? I mean, in all honesty, <laughs> um, you know, they, when they, you know, when my time comes and all of that, you know, they're gonna cut me open and be like, oh, wow, he like had horrible shoulder arthritis or horrible knee arthritis, but I've never had pain in that. And I hope to never have pain in those areas. Um, so, so why does any of that matter if I'm pain free and, and living a full, full life? Yeah. And that's the same thing too. Like, so they take an image and see arthritis or see whatever they took the image because you went in because you had pain. That doesn't answer the question of how long has that actually been there and how long did you live pain free without that issue or with that issue? Um, really be interesting to see like, maybe like every decade of your life, do like a full scan of your body. (laughs) (laughs) And then at the same time, like you said, like then you see something going on. So will that create pain? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause we're we're only um, measuring in this regard, the the quote unquote sick, right? The people who have issues. We're not measuring any healthy people aside from some of these research studies where they they have done that, but that's very few and far between with the compared and contrasted with the uh, amount of people who, you get this from being sick. Um, so yeah, you know, we need to see how the body evolves over time. And guess what? Like we will have degeneration, assuming we are living a long life. Right. Um, and, and, and that is totally okay. Um, because that means we've lived some life. We need to, we need to see, see that as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I totally, um, in agreement that, you know, things need to change, you know, um, but, um, one more thing about that is we also need to understand that every discipline has a very specific understanding of, of what's going on. And I'm not saying you can't have understanding in different areas, but we're trained in a certain area. And so physical therapists, oh, we could treat everything with physical therapy. Like, you know, (laughs) whatever it is, you know, uh, which is, you know, obviously not true. We can help a lot of people, most people, but um, not not true. But, you know, same thing goes with the radiologist, right? You know, the radiologist is trained to find stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, and maybe this goes to the whole sick, you know, people getting getting the, the images, but I've never seen a radiology report that said you were fine. And you're, you're good to go. Right. Um, I'm not sure if you have, um, um, I've seen some with very minimal as far as like no damage, but maybe just some like, like swelling or that sort of joint diffusion something like that going on just because there was some sort of process injury process happening. Um, but I have, at times I have seen some pretty clean ones with just like showing some swelling in the area. Gotcha. They're, they're rare though, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's what I'm saying, you know, something with where the person was completely, completely fine. Right. Um, and, and, and who knows, I did not go to radiology school. I'm not sure. Uh, we have experience in imaging as physical therapists, um, in reading images, but maybe, you know, 
they can see some stuff and and this isn't a knock this is just objectively like saying like that's that's what some people um went to school for so we're definitely going to find something somewhere just yeah. like you're always you know uh, and you're going to find some movement balls because you got an eye for it right <laughs> that i do <laughs> yeah so just interesting stuff and please radiologists don't send me any nasty emails i'd love to have <laughs> conversations anybody who's listening we may have talked about it before, but I think it's always a good thing to just bring up. And I've gotten into a number of conversations recently about it, which is why it's kind of more on top of my mind, but just really addressing, like making sure as coaches, as clinicians, we're really, and this kind of goes into that why and problem solving is like really diving into like, what's creating this pain? Like, okay, someone has knee pain. Do we really need to just treat the knee though? Or like, should we look at the hip? Should we look at the ankle? Should we look at the back? Like let's, especially if someone's not getting better, like, yes, we might start at the knee because that's where symptoms are. But if someone's not getting better, like, I think that's what's my frustration is like when clinicians, athletes, coaches continue to do the same exact things over and over again, and like, there's no progress being made. And I think it's just so important and such a disservice. And once again, it's lacking empowerment when we do it is treating the symptoms only and not, not looking deeper to figure out like what's truly causing this. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, I, I, I totally agree with that. Like you, we, we have this interesting kind of thing. We, we're almost chasing our tail with it as clinicians when someone comes in and is like, Oh, the like right side of my knee hurts. Okay. Like let, let me address everything on the right side. And then, okay. Well, like now today, my, the left side of my knee. Hurts. Okay. Well, like, let me address everything on the left side. Right. And, and we, we, we kind of spin. Right. And uh, that is not in the betterment of the patient um, because we need to look more at the, at the forest instead of the trees with it. Right. You know, what else is happening um, because this patient, you know, um, if they're if they're in someone's care, you know, isn't getting that much better and we're 40 visits in, <laughs> you, you yeah, know, exactly. <laughs> um, so we need to we need to do something else. Right. My uh, one of my patients, um, one of my new patients, um, he was seeing a uh, chiropractor for um, uh, for his ankle pain and um, he's been seeing him for four years and. In, in every session, he was told that this is the session that you're going to be fixed, you know, and he's saying on a weekly basis, two times a week for, for four years, right? And again, this isn't speaking to chiropractors, just in general, um, we have to treat the cause as opposed to the symptoms. Yeah. And I think it's important to dive into like what movement wise or what postures, positions are creating it. Um, I have a client right now who she's like, I'm still like her back flare-ups were like very infrequent. Like things were getting better. Things are getting better, but she was still having these flare-ups. And so we finally, with the discussion, it was um, because of her job, she has to wear like a lead vest at times. And so it was flaring up when she was in the room that she had to wear the lead more frequently and she was bending over and then having to straighten up. Um, so she's one, like, I don't use Jefferson curls real often, but it's like, you know what, when you have to lean over a patient's bed and like, you have to bend that spine and get out of it. Like let's start doing some Jefferson curls and start strengthening yeah. that. And she's been doing a lot better. And so it's like, it really like, 
if I want to take in the time to do that, and I was been like, all right, let's continue strengthening your core. Like that's not going to help her. But like by figuring out like what movement are you doing that continues to flare you up? Like that's what truly helps someone. Yes. Um, being extremely specific. And I think that you as a, a great diagnostician, um, again, are, are, are seeing the, the, the forest instead of the trees with that. Um, because you, yeah, like you said, you could have done core till the cows come home and there would have been, been no change, but what are her specific demands for her job? Right. Um, and cool. Now we just break that apart and, and build it back up. Right. The, the rehab process is not, it, 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 it is very a complex thing, but like simplistically it's about figuring out what you can't do and building that right back up. To right. Exactly. Building, right. <laughs> Pretty much. Not hypnotizing our profession, but I mean, yeah, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's like, any like movement tests I'll do with someone is like, all right, you're not good at that. Cool. That's going to be your exercise. Like, well, let's start working on it. Like single leg balance, not good. Cool. Let's, there's your homework. Yeah. I mean, I, I, absolutely. And, you know, um, but you know, it, it, it gets lost. And I think, you know, with our profession, because we can get in the weeds with stuff and so specific with things, not everything needs to be that specific tissue wise, but specific for the person. Mm-hmm and in, in their in their movement patterns um so so yeah you know but that's that goes to akin to treating the actual cause of the dysfunction to get someone better as opposed to chasing a sim- symptom um symptom-based approach right oh we, absolutely. we want people to feel better but i mean you know i think you know by and large nearly every person who comes through our doors wants their problem fixed right <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's easy and sounds silly to say, but um, um, even if that takes a little bit of um, discomfort to get there, like that's what they're seeing us for. Yeah, you know, perfect example myself. Recently, I started getting um, just feeling a lot of pressure on my knee, like bottom of the squat, kneeling, like just really uncomfortable. And so I started figuring, like, this also happened after I did the quarterfinals and I had to wear shoes for all the workouts. So I kind of blamed the fact that I had to wear shoes. Um, but that's point. um, actually there was all the pistols, <laughs> but, oh, yeah. um, I was like, okay. And this is me as a clinician treating cause, not symptoms. Like I know it's not the knee itself. Like what's causing this increased pressure? What? And so like, start feeling like, all right, hamstrings aren't tight. No tenderness there. We're good. Um, like a little bit of the upper calf had some tightness, but then as I got down to more of the soleus, a little bit lower, like that's where I felt a lot of tightness. Um, so I did some needling there and it's like probably 80% better just by doing that. Wow. So it's one of those things It's like you like, yes, the pressure's on the knee. Does the soleus cross the knee? Absolutely not. Is it part of the posterior chain? Yes. So can it impact Ooh. it? Yes. Um, so we really have to start looking at as far as like, what is truly creating pain in an area what's truly causing pressure to be in an area um like i could have worked on the swelling in my knee all day but that wouldn't have helped yeah um i it's um and and obviously it, it generally does sound so simple but i mean yeah you have to be willing to to open your mind and and go to some adjacent joints right you know i mean how many people have you seen 
you know, who have knee issues that have some, you know, posterior tibialis issues, right? You know, and some poor arch support, intrinsic yeah. arch support, right? Um, and and I, I think obviously you you need that trust from your patient to be like, hey, I know your knee hurts, I totally get it, but we're gonna work on this ankle and calf area. Um, and, and then they get better, right? Um, what was never explained to me during my courses of physical therapy when I was uh, an athlete was, you know, I would sprain my ankle and my PT was like, okay, well, here's some hip exercises. And this was before I was a PT and I was like, no, 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 like you don't understand, like my ankle hurts, not my hip, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but th there was no like follow-up or no explanation as to why the hip obviously has so much influence on the ankle, right? Yeah. It's one of the reasons, like, I don't use anatomical terms a whole lot when talking with people, but I will, if I'm in person with them, I'll pull out my book. Um, it, well, take back. I just don't have that with me. So normally pull up my app on my phone or my computer. Um, and then if I'm doing a virtual call, pull it up on my computer, but just kind of explain to them, like, um, like this is what the structure area looks like. This is how it's all connected. Um, if there's nerve symptoms, like, this is that nerve pathway. This is what's tight. And, and just like helping break that down, I think, and not that everyone cares about the anatomy necessarily, but I think it helps like seeing that image helps to kind of click in their head a little bit about like how everything is all connected. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the one that always like rings to me is like carpal tunnel. Right. And, and everyone's like, no, my, like my wrist you know, is, is, is in pain or my fingers. And when I deduce that maybe it's coming from their neck, it's like, okay, yeah, let's pull up some anatomy so you can see that the nerve starts in the neck and goes down into the fingers. Right. And it's almost like a, you know, I like to, uh, the analogy is like a kinked water hose, right? Like the, the water hose kinked somewhere along the line. It's probably not kinked in your wrist, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's why it's tough sometimes. Like I've definitely seen people for knee pain that it was all coming referred from their back. They had no back pain, but that's just like, it's the nature of nerves and it's the nature of what the body does. And it's so unpredictable. And it's why we can't cookie cutter treat people because everything is going to be different. Yeah. You have to be like a, a Sherlock Holmes, right? You know, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and make sure that that we are specifically, um, you know, uh, working on people. And that cookie cutter approach might get some somewhere, but that's not going to um, going to fix people, right? Um, and so I think that's a unique ability for you and I in our disciplines to spend some time with our patients and really, really take a deep dive into what's going on with them, where their impairments are coming from, so we can get to the root cause and not be chasing symptoms before we visit. Absolutely. And I think it's also like, one, we do get to spend time, but two, like, I remember how frustrating it was working in the insurance world of like, having to increase my documentation to connect the dots from A to Z, mm. because I wanted to treat this area when the pain was in this area. And as far as the reason I got out of the insurance world, I'm like, stop telling me what area they're treating. That's yeah. not the problem. <laughs> like, let me do what I want to do. Um, so I think that's part of it too, is that like when you are in the insurance world, it's like you 
have to justify everything you do. And it's a lot harder to justify like your foot pain, your lack of range of motion in your ankle has caused all your shoulder issues all like from compensations. Like it's hard to connect those dots to a person who is basically their job is to deny claims <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and has no, no understanding of the health profession um, in the first place. Right. right. <laughs> a lot of them. No, I, 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 I agree. Or even, I mean, you know, yeah. Ankle stuff and like hip stuff or low back stuff. Um, and, and, and yeah, so you become handcuffed in that, um, in that discipline that, you know, sometimes, you know, it's just, you know, a lot of the time is not in the betterment of the patient's um, results, right? Um, so that's why we're doing what we're doing. Absolutely. Help our people. Exactly. All right. Kind of close it out today. We are at time. If you haven't listened to any of the other interviews with Matthew Perry and myself, definitely go back and listen to those. And as usual, where can people find you? Yeah. So 100% listen to the other podcasts. We got take deep dives and some other stuff, but um, if anyone would like to reach out to me, um, please find me on all the social medias um, uh, at Auto Nest Therapies. That's A-U-T-O hyphen N-E-S-S therapies with an I-E-S. Um, please reach out if you got any questions, would like to have some healthy discussions about stuff. I absolutely love it. My goal is to teach, empower, and resolve my patient's pain. So let's talk about it. Awesome. Thank you so much again for this conversation. We'll do it again soon. Looking forward to it, Brianne. Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed that episode today. Before I close out, I want to talk to you about my eight-week return to running program. If you've been off running for a period of time just because life's gotten the best of you, or maybe you've been injured and had to take some time off, returning to running properly is key. Meaning don't ramp up too fast, too soon, or you're just setting yourself up for injury or perhaps re-injury. That's why I created this eight-week return to running program. It ramps you up properly and safely so you can minimize that risk of injury as you return to running. So head over to getyourfixpt.com courses to check out my eight-week return to running program as well as all of my other online programs. Thank you again for tuning in today. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.